1: Tiger Talk, with Pat Caputo, and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. Fly ball, deep left field. On Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket.
2: Well, I got to tell you, I would do my Pat Caputo impersonation. Everybody's got one, right? Do you have one? No, I will. Oh, please. <laughs> you no. will make my year if you have a pack up. Of... Here, I'll do mine if no. you do your. No, you know what, want It's good to be here. Two, four, <laughs> eight, five.
3: Tim Jesky's legendary, you know, for <laughs> everybody. He,
2: listen, it's all flattering. Obviously, it's all compliments. But Pat has a voice that it's really fun to impersonate. <laughs> so Pat's not here today, but Dan is here. And we have a great guest. We, do. we have a phenomenal guest. And I think he's calling in right now, actually. The so, new
3: uh, Yeah, TV, let's not wait.
2: I know. The new <laughs> TV play-by-play voice. I am a huge fan of this man. I know you are as well.
3: Jason Bonetti going to join the show. How about this right off the bat? Right off the bat. We, we are going to talk some Lions. Because I mean, this—you know—you and I were talking, and I've been talking with my wife Lori and others today. This is why we love sports, isn't it? What the oh Lions God. have done for this city with this run this year, that win last night—you were there. You said it was—it was like
2: nothing I've ever seen before. It was unreal. It was like two thousand six when the Tigers made their run. It was the city was electric. The fans were sensational. It was so much fun to just people watch. And by the way, if you have claustrophobia, you might want to stay away. But everything else was sensational. But how about Jason Benetti, right? The new TV voice of the Tigers. He joins us right now. Jason. Look at this. A couple of legends. Jason Benetti and Dan Dickerson on the same conversation. This is unbelievable. How are you doing, Jason.
1: Uh, please give me a while on the legend thing. Like, give me like a couple decades on that, and I'll see if I can make it to Dan's territory. Thank you. How are you all? Good.
3: You made it home safely. I, uh, Jason uh, Jason is very busy college football, you college are. basketball. And you were in Milwaukee today, right? For um, Marquette's. And who's, uh, who are they playing again? Villanova. Oh, Villanova, that's right.
1: It just. just Yeah, yeah, Marquette really only showed up in the second half. No, uh, it was a close (laughs) game for a while, and then Marquette put Villanova away. Uh, But, yeah, no, uh, I saw what was going on at the Lions game last night, and I was like, man, everybody in Detroit is just like today was like a holiday.
3: It it's was. So cool. <laughs> it's it it, perfect, cool. Right. Perfect that it is a holiday <laughs> because I think everybody needed it. You know, Jason, you, you've been to this city often enough to get a feel for what kind of a sports town this is. I know that's one of the reasons it attracted you to this job that you'll be taking over at Play by Play on television this year. But it does seem like, even though I'm sure it doesn't inform, you know, Scott Harris's decisions in the offseason about you know, he's trying to build a team that's going to win as many games as possible and whatever the Lions are doing is not going to affect him. But it it does seem like that it's going to, I mean, you can't help, if you wear the old English D, you're a player and you look at that game last night and you look at how crazy this city is going for the Lions, you can't help but dream a little, especially after experiencing that last weekend when ballpark was full every day for Miguel Cabrera's celebration weekend. Uh, you've got to believe that players are like, okay, I want to experience that. This is this going to be fun.
1: I kind of think that's right. I, I feel like there's, there's like magic waiting to be unearthed. And when players know that, and they know that if they're in a race into the summer, people are going to show up, and, and Detroit fans have shown that time and again. It, this Lions team has, a number one, uh, unlocked some of that magic, but to me, number two as well, if you grew up in Detroit and you're not necessarily as inclined to be a sports fan, and say you grew up with something other than sports, right, and you're a right. kid, but you've just grabbed onto the Lions right now, you, I think you're going to be a Tigers fan too. I think you're going to be a Red Wings fan too. I think, I, I think you're going to be a Pistons fan too. I, I, think, I, I saw it growing up, and I'm not saying that this Lions team is the 90s Bulls. But I grew up a sports fan in part because of Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen and that whole group. And I know people in Detroit don't really want to hear those names. (laughs) But what I'm saying is if you have this hub of success, you have one team that starts it and then everybody comes with, I think that creates something within the city, to your point. So, yeah, I I watched that last night, and I was like, all right, here we come. Let's go.
3: Yeah, you saw Blackhawks. You saw – White Sox win a World Series. You saw, I mean, the Bears had a couple good years back in '85, right? I mean, they, they, although they
1: went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Colts, Jason. But yeah, it, the, Devin Hester had a Devin Hester had a good day, and and you know, like that all happened. But I I think I think this city is looking for something to grab onto in a sports sense, and I do feel like there are a lot of really likable guys on this Tigers team. And I think, you know, I don't think AJ Hinch and Dan Campbell are the same person. <laughs> but knowing AJ somewhat, <laughs> I, knowing AJ somewhat, I do know that there's that same fire that you get from Dan. No question. Deep inside AJ to win. And so, yeah, I, I think there are some parallels here, and I don't want to overdraw, but I do think. This city, like you all know it and you feel it, but from the outside on my way in, I just think there's something special about to happen.
2: Jason, let me ask you, though, because we're talking about the Lions and we know what a great sports town Detroit is, and you know as well, when you look at this Tiger team, and I understand the offseason's not over, but this is a team that could compete for the division. I don't think there's any question about that. Right now, as you look at this team, and I know you're doing other things, but I don't know. How, how close to special could they be or competing in the division in your mind?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think in some ways it depends on what else is going on around the division because this is not a team that's projected to win 100 games. Like We know that, and we know there's some building to be done. But from the outside looking in last year, as I was watching AL Central games a lot, I really thought this Tigers team had a shot to win the Central as of like August. Last year, like I was saying on our White Sox telecast, look out. You never know what the Central is going to bring. And so how far away are they? I don't know. I mean, the, the Lions a couple years ago started, what, 1-6. And then they closed to 9-8. and eight, And that was sort of the jumping off point for the next season. I, I don't know what that momentum looks like this year. But the Swins haven't really done anything. The Guardians have changed managers. The Royals have made some signings, and the White Sox, I don't know what they're doing. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be had in the Central. But to me, the, the fun of all of this and, and showing up and, and sort of gauging what's going on with this team, the fun of all of it is having those moments where you're like, oh, Torque has really turned a corner. Like Riley Green has really turned a corner and you pile a couple of those up. And I just feel like the upside for this team is a little different than the upside for the rest of the teams in in the division.
2: Jason, we want a favor. Will you stick around another segment? You're awesome. We got to take a quick break. Will you come back, talk more baseball and other stuff with us?
1: I'll hang around for whatever break you'd like to run. Well,
2: wow. actually, I'm on until ten o'clock. If you want to hang on till ten,
1: that'd be fantastic. No,
2: whatever one break, whatever
1: one break you want to run, one break. I see.
2: All right, Jason Bonetti's going to come back next segment. You're listening to Tiger Talk on ninety-seven won The ticket.
1: Tiger Talk, here's Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson.
2: Oh, that's right. It's Tiger Talk and 97.1. The ticket. No Pat Caputo today. He'll be back next week, you know. But we are joined by Jason Bonetti, the TV voice of the Detroit Tigers. And J- Jason, I'm a big fan, okay? I love your work with Bill Walton. There's a YouTube video that I laugh every time I watch. I watch a lot of the stuff you do. I watched a lot of Chicago White Sox broadcast. And I like it because you're funny and you're different. And, and I need to know, w- what is the marriage in your mind between stats, analytics, baseball, and fun? Like 9-2 <laughs> game, fifth inning, you want to keep people watching. You're probably not talking a whole lot of X's and O's. You're a funny dude. Like, how do you go about that? I'm fascinated by it.
1: Yeah, I thank you for saying I'm funny. Most people who know me for any length of time say I'm not funny. See, that's because funny it just though. Encourages me, right? It just encourages me. Like, none of my friends from high school or from college—they're like, please do not call him funny. It will lead to him being more funny, which is less funny. So please make him stop. Make the bad man stop. It's a
3: vicious cycle.
1: Look, yeah, it is a vicious cycle. It's a dark dark tunnel we go down. No, I... uh, But what I would say is, I love what the baseball game can do for the mind, right? Uh, Everybody watches baseball for different reasons. Everybody goes to the park and sees different things. Some people pay a lot of attention to the vendors because they're interesting. Some people watch the person who spilled ice cream on their face and some people religiously look at the scoreboard and memorize all the stats. (laughs) That's all true. It's, It's different people, different things. Baseball means so much to so many people for so many different reasons. And that's a foundation to this answer where I say it's kind of based on feel. Like, I know people are not celebrating when the Tigers are down 10 to 2. I know people don't like that. I know people don't want that. But everybody in the world just about has a harder job than me. Because there are a lot of people who wake up and use their hands and have three kids and, like, go out in the cold. Like, there are a lot of people out in the cold today. And there are people shoveling snow and there are people like salting sidewalks and that's their job. And they want to come home and they want to have dinner and they want to watch us have a little bit better time than they did at their job because their boss kind of sucks or whatever it is. Right. So I like to make sure that when people stop by the game as much as I can, and it's our entire crew, it's not just me, but like, I what, what I want people to remember is that we're a place to go where you can have a good time regardless of the score. And that's not to say, you know, we're going to dance on the grave of a team at 10 to one. That's not the point, right? The point is life is hard. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that is sad or dire or whatever it is. We, we should be a place where you can just say, you know what, I'm going to go enjoy myself for a couple hours and maybe turn my brain off even though, yeah, we're going to show you some stats. And, like, you, you asked about analytics, Jeff. And for me, and Dan and I have had substantial conversations about this, I, I don't really want to see it unless it tells a story. I mean, that was the whole goal of our StatCast shows. We were like the nerd cast on ESPN when that all happened back in, I want to say, 2017 was our first year doing it. but the Or 2018, I think the whole idea wasn't to just nerd it up and to give you stats that you don't understand. The whole idea was if it's on the screen, it's relevant to the player. Like, did I tell the story of that player well enough? If there's somebody who's plus 15 in defensive run save, I want to tell you what that is. But I also want to tell you why he's good defensively. So for me, the stats guide me to ask questions in the clubhouse. That's the way I would say it, in as short of an answer as I just gave you, which was not very short.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you love it. I mean, I, when they show they show somebody who has just that whole ice cream cone ended up on their shirt, and <laughs> yeah, you never miss that. <laughs> That's when you're you're, you're like, like oh best. yeah, here we go. <laughs> the
1: best people. People have no idea how fun they are to watch at a baseball game. People are in such a joy to watch at a baseball game. It's, you just scan the crowd and you're like, man, that kid is at his first game ever and has no idea that he's on camera right now and he's just enjoying the heck out of it. Like I, it's such a sincere human existence to sit and watch a baseball game when you have no idea there's a camera on you.
3: And that philosophy that you just outlined is perfect because it's. Think about it. You, how many games did we go to growing up? I went to. I I grew up in the Tigers. I got my driver's license in the mid 70s. The Tigers lost 19 games in a row in 1975. I went to a lot of games in the 70s. (laughs) Because it was a buck fifty to sit in the center field bleachers, and there are a lot of blowouts, but you still loved being at the game, and your, your philosophy is perfect. It's like, okay, let's just remind them it's fun to be at the ballpark, and we can celebrate a lot of different things going on, even if it's ten to one in the fifth.
1: We all have running jokes. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure if you ran into friends from growing up, you could think of a running joke that you have that came from sitting and watching a baseball game. <laughs> yes, I, I kid you not. I kid you not. I have two, three friends from high school that I'm still in a fantasy football league with, and we went to a baseball game, and we turned around. It was a White Sox-Twins game. We turned around this is for the AL Central crowd, and there was a kid that looked exactly like Michael Kadiar. It's like a thirteen-year-old kid looked exactly like Michael Cadyer, and one of us took a picture of the kid. And anytime anytime any time, like that era of the twins comes up or whatever, there's a reference to Michael Cadyer. Like, does this kid look like Michael Cadyer? And it was, you know, it's it's stupid. It's one of those Great. very you had to be there things, but it is a running gag from I want to say like two thousand and three or something.
3: And whenever you bring it up, you can place yourself immediately back in the ballpark
1: in that game. I know exactly where we were sitting. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And I know, I know anybody who sticks around and watches games as, as uh, avidly as really big baseball fans, like that's important. And I, I don't, I'm not here to be a clown. And that's not the point of me and Gibby or me and Simo or, you know, our crew. That's not the point but I do know that people remember things that aren't the norm. And that goes for great plays. It goes for great replays. It goes for great graphics. And that's the fun of TV is when you have a whole crew doing all of it together, it is this wonderful creative explosion. And it's like, man, this is really fun to do every day. And then suddenly, People come up to you and like the producer and they say, hey, that shot you had of the guy with the nachos and he was going to town, that made my day. (laughs) It, It is always
2: that. It's the same way in radio. Nobody cares about your sports opinions. It's always like, oh, wow, you didn't get your daughter a Christmas present. You're an awful human being. I'll never forgive you.
1: Bad dad. I look, I. The, the one thing I will say about that, though, and I, I don't want everybody to think that I'm just like Barnum and Bailey come to life. That's not the point. I, I really believe that you earn those moments by being really good at the rule book, by being really good at the big moments, by knowing the depth of the players, by having a feel for what's going on in the game and being really perceptive. If you nail those, you are given the freedom by the audience to go do the fun stuff but if you sense that there's no fun stuff going on that day or whatever, it's probably because I don't feel like I've earned that that day because I made a mistake earlier or something. No, seriously. Like I, I think you earn it. I think by being solid and great at everything you do technically and rules wise and everything that goes along with it, I think you earn the audience's trust to go wander a little bit.
3: (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Wander just a little bit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little wandering. Just a little wandering into the forest.
2: That is amazing. All right, one last question. Jason Benetti, what is the one thing you're looking the most forward to as we get going? I mean, we're not too far away from spring training. I know you're a busy man, but then opening day is kind of just around the corner.
1: Well, lunch with Dan Dickerson on a routine basis? <laughs> I don't know. Where are you guys going to go? <laughs> I, I, he's got to show me all the good places. I, I can take him places in Chicago that I know are really good. You but, go. you know, I, beyond, I need all the Detroit. Like, By the way, to everybody listening, if you can just fill up my Twitter replies with great restaurants in Detroit, <laughs> I really like good food, <laughs> and I'm happy to experience all the good food in Detroit that I don't know about yet. So please let me know. Send me those messages. That would be great. No, I, I'm i looking forward to the most Uh, watching the maneuvering of the front office and the coaching staff and A.J. Hinch on a daily basis. Because I I can tell you this, and this is not just from my perch in Chicago, it's from traveling around doing Fox games and talking to people about the managers and the front offices around Major League Baseball. I think to have a front office and a manager in lockstep the way that Scott and Jeff and A.J. and everybody are, to go along with, the intelligence and the understanding of analytics, but also understanding of human beings that A.J. Hinch has, I always enjoyed, and I did maybe, what, 15 games last year of the Tigers based on my White Sox and Fox schedule. I enjoy watching A.J. maneuver because I think he wins games. I really do. I I know that the Tigers have not had a massive win total under his guidance yet, but I do think he wins on the margin – A lot. I had in the NCAA tournament last year for Westwood one, I had Kansas and Bill Self was out with a health issue and Norm Roberts is filling in and Norm is a really good coach, but Bill Self uh, by reputation is one of those guys that just has a lot of inbounds plays for the sideline and the baseline and really makes his bones getting marginal benefit off that stuff. And Robbie Hummel and I were doing the game, and I said to Robbie late in the game when Arkansas won, I was like, what do you think happens if Bill Self's coaching? And he's like, I bet you Kansas wins just because Bill Self has that ability. Mm. Now, I, I know Bill's been around longer than A.J. doing college basketball, but I will, will say my <laughs> sense from the outside and my sense of what baseball people believe about the strategy and tactician behavior of A.J. Hinch I'm really excited to watch it up close because I do think it helps.
2: Jason Bonetti, great stuff. I can't wait to watch you. Detroit can't wait to watch you. And thanks for joining us. This was awesome. Thanks,
3: Jason.
1: Hey, thank you guys. Have a great show. And uh, if you're still on at like 945 and you need to run one more break, you have my number. Oh, perfect. I'm going to be calling you. How about
2: 930 to 10 o'clock? People would rather listen to you than me. Let's be honest.
1: Hang on, this iPhone, it's on silent permanently. I don't understand. (laughs) Jason, that's Eastern
2: time, just to make sure. Okay, I'm just saying. All right, thank you, Jason. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. See you in a few weeks. I'm going to take you up on that. Jason Bonetti, the new Tigers TV play-by-play guy. He's awesome. That's He's good.
3: Awesome. I mean, that's good stuff. It really is.
2: He's awesome. All right. We'll come back. Dan, people have thoughts for you. They have questions for you. I'm looking at the lines right now about current and maybe prospect Tiger players. They want to get your thoughts. Plus, you have an interesting potential <laughs> pickup that I'm in love with
3: that we talked about. We've talked about it, but it's worth revisiting just to talk about the pluses and why it probably won't happen. I want it to happen. You too.
2: <laughs> we'll tell you what that is next as well. You're listening to Tiger Talk and 97 won the ticket.
1: Tiger Talk. Here's Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson.
2: 7.33, that's right. It's uh, Tiger Talk. Uh, by the way, very quickly, the Buffalo Bills are about to beat the Steelers,
3: Dan. How good does that field look? I mean, do they have... Snow removal down to a science there. You know why? Because they use the fans. <laughs> I know. It's Amazing.
2: Baiting, baiting twenty bucks an hour. Would you do that? I would. You got to show up at ten a.m. Actually, twenty bucks. You get free food. I actually like shoveling snow. <laughs> see, I, I,
3: I, I don't mind it as long as it's not yeah, heavy and icy. I don't do my driveway because that's a lot. But I, I, <laughs> sidewalks. You to, I actually do the driveway once in a while.
2: You want to go to Ralph Wilson <laughs> Stadium Vodafense. if it's still called there yeah, and just I mean, like get the fifty-yard line? <laughs> did, did you see the fans trying to get to their seats? They had no. to go over snow boulders. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So cool. All right. You want to take a couple calls? Yeah,
3: yeah. because I think uh, Bob in West Bloomfield has an interesting question.
4: Hey, Bob. How you doing, guys? Good. How are you? Uh, good. I see Pat isn't here tonight. That must mean a virtual Johnny Cash concert is going on somewhere here. <laughs> So <laughs> You know what? Uh, you know uh, I've always
2: liked them better than Elvis, okay?
4: There you go. Anyhow, uh the question I had was uh now that there's an opening at DH, uh I you know, I've been kind of following the minor league guys and he's only rated like fourteenth or something, but this just as Bigby as uh, in three different minor league settings has a combined what three 40 banning average what, what does a guy like him have a prayer or how do you see it?
3: I'm fascinated. It's a great question because I'm fascinated by Justice Bigby and Bob. I think first and foremost, he is a perfect example of all the good things that are going on in the minor league system in terms of player development that they are truly developing. Players, it's To me, it's like with all the technology and all the information we have now, the biggest next advantage for organizations is going to be everybody has the same amount of information. How are you going to use that information? Combine it with your coaching to make the guys that you have better while obviously adding talent to the organization. Justice Bigby had a 720 OPS at age 23 at A-ball, two different levels in 2022. That's a middling prospect. Hit 270. Three home runs, 360 at-bats. I'm not even sure that's a prospect. His line, as Bob just outlined, 343, 405, 537. A 942 OPS across three levels, mostly at high A and then double A. But he went from high A, where he hit 330 with power, to double A, where he hit 360 with power. This is a major success story. And suddenly, Justice Bigby has gone from a guy who was kind of like Carpenter. Not much of a a middling prospect at best to a guy that you are very intrigued by. like to look at walks and strikeouts, solid walk rate, good contact skills to go with a 340 batting average. So what's the upside? Like you said, he's still only ranked, what, 14th, you said, Uh, MLB Pipeline? Yeah, You can't help like but that. get excited because the Tigers are doing stuff like this with all kinds of players, pitchers. Look at what Reese Olsen did this year. That's a major right. success story. So I would say that Justice Bigby is absolutely someone to keep an eye on, maybe because he is still not a top-five prospect. People think, well, still not skills that are going to translate to the major leagues. I see improvement like that in one year, and I think that's a guy to watch.
4: And just out of curiosity... I know he's rated thirty something. The six foot nine, three hundred pound reliever. I know nothing about him. Do you?
3: What? Uh, I remember they drafted him a couple years ago. Do
4: you have a name?
3: You know, I'm sure I don't. Yeah, I, I, I was just curious. Yeah, the, I remember those 6'9", yeah, three hundred pounds. The big fella.
2: Yeah, the big the big unit <laughs> two. Thank you, Bob. Interesting. You mentioned Kerry Carpenter. His story is unbelievable. I mean, the fact that he was almost out of baseball. He was working. I, I think I heard it on the broadcast. Daniela was doing the story. He was working at Best Buy. Didn't really know if it was going to pan out. And yeah. now look at him.
3: Yeah, 7.40, 7.50 OPS at age 24, double A. Not a top prospect. By the way, do we like the
2: nickname Kerry Bonds, or are we against it?
3: <laughs> no. No, it, it, it's Garp. Come on. Okay, well. It's Carp. I kind of dig it. Um, I gave him that nickname, Carb. Oh, you nobody, get, Yeah, nobody else had ever called him Carp. Well, I understand that then. That
2: was you. That's unbelievable. Wow. Scooble, scoobs. <laughs> what do you call Riley Green? Riles? Riley. Oh. <laughs> Greeny. I mean, I'm pretty good at this stuff. Let me ask you this one. What about Spencer Torkelson? Is there a nickname that might just flow? We're still working on it. Yeah. Maybe next year? I've, I'm sure it will come around. <laughs> Tip of my tongue. All right, so you have an individual that is out there that you are about to tantalize the masses. Go ahead, Dan Dickerson. The floor is yours. Well, we've talked about it before, but
3: it's been a while, so it's just worth revisiting And I think Chris McCoskey wrote a good piece on why this probably won't happen in the last week or so, that J.D. Martinez is still sitting out there. And I remain intrigued, knowing that the odds are against this, of adding J.D. Martinez to this lineup. I think of what Scott Harris said about why he liked adding veterans like Flaherty, Maeda to the rotation, Chafin, Shelby Miller to the bullpen. The, the impact that veterans can have on younger players in the rotation and in the bullpen. Marcana very much traded for to be that in, influence from a veteran guy, solid hitter. 34 years old can still write. Right. And, and believe me, that, that can be a major impact. With his words, with his advice, just watching him go about his day-to-day. There's thousands of <laughs> examples through histories, history of guys coming to a team, young team, just with their wisdom that they can pass along. Think of what J.D. Martinez could do for this team in terms of, this is a student of the game. The notebook alone. The notebook alone. Remember, players would make fun of him. Guess what? Yes. He could watch all the video he wanted, but he would take those notes because it was like, I, I saw it on video, but what did it look like to me when I was in the batter's box? I couldn't see that fastball as well as I thought I could. He hides it well, or I really got a good look at, or his slot, whatever it was, he was taking notes of what it looked like to him, not just from watching video. Student of the game, has his swing video taped in batting practice still to this day, I think every day, and he works at it. I just, I'm trying to picture the impact that he could have on Carpenter, Green, Torkelson, the Futures, uh, guys like Jace Young, Cold Keith, Justin Henry Malloy, maybe Justice Bigby the impact that he could have would be tremendous.
2: Not, not to mention, it wouldn't be just come here to be a mentor. He had 33 bombs last year and well, 103 RBI. 914 OPS, whatever
3: it was, it was uh, over 900, right? 893,
2: oh, very close. Very, How dare you? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? But it's it's th- not over 900. We don't <laughs> yeah, want yeah, it.
3: That's right. Forget it. 33 bombs, 890 OPS. Still a good hitter. I know the strikeouts are creeping up a little bit and walk rate was down a little bit, but he can still hit. If you watch him in the post, he can still hit. And I just I, I'm intrigued by it. So the the flip side of it is the Tigers really like the idea now that Miguel Cabrera's retired to be able to rotate guys through the DA spot. I I can see that, but also, remember what Scott Harris said. I'm trying to make decisions as difficult as possible for get as many good hitters in here. Make it as hard as possible for AJ to fill out his lineup every day and finalize that 26 man roster. Add J D Martinez, make it even harder. <laughs> You're going to Take at bats away from a young player. That's the downside. They like the idea of being able to rotate guys to the DH spot. I get that. But I also know they don't want to have Justin Henry Malloy as their full time DH or spend a lot of time at DH. They want these guys to be complete players and play in the field. Well, not to mention, if you get late in the season
2: and you are in this race, talk about a guy that can give you a professional at bat. You go and call on a JD Martinez. To me, it would be a win-win. You're looking at what? You tell me. You're the financial guy. What are we looking at? One year? One year? I've heard
3: up to twenty. I don't think it's gonna. I don't know. I don't think say seventeen mil. Let's call it. Let's go because I'm thinking fifteen. So let's call call it seventeen. Okay,
2: seventeen mil. Seventeen. Fan favorite. People would go bonkers. He's still really productive. He has no issue being a mentor. Not
3: blocking anybody's development for a long period. That's why I love this idea. you know, that's why you're not going to sign somebody for six, seven years at a position. You're going to block somebody. Right. You're not really blocking anybody by signing J.D. Martinez other than somebody who might rotate through the DH spot. And the other thing, too, and is they're not... I don't think they're looking at... I know Justin Henry Malloy, they're worried about his defense. They're not looking at him. Well, he's probably going to start 70, 80 games. No, I don't think so. From the flip
2: side, if J.D., and I'm sure he's going to have some offers at some point here because he was a productive player. He's not going to be on the market forever. He's going right. to play next season. So on the flip side, if J.D. wants to come to Detroit, kind of where it all started from him, Avila grabbed him from the scrap heap, if we're being right. completely honest, doesn't that tell you that he thinks this team is kind of good enough to compete? Like, it's almost the Patrick Kane effect with the Detroit Red
3: Wings. Right, Right. that he might say, because at some point, maybe, maybe the offers aren't great right now, maybe he's not getting a lot of interest, or maybe he is, but he's like, you know what, guys, I really want to come to Detroit. I don't know, but what if, what if, that, what if that were to happen? I'm intrigued by it. I don't think it's going to happen. But I just think of all the things that Scott Harris said about the, the value of canna for hitters, for those veteran pitchers, for this guy. Because it's hard. We talked about it. To get to 85-plus wins, 86, 87, 88. It's, I mean, realistically, it might take up to 88, as weak as the Central is, to win the Central. You have to – you scored 670 runs last year. That has to get – That you have to improve that by 60, 70 runs could it happen with a young lineup? Sure. But you're, it's it's tough. You just don't know sometimes. Took Spencer Torkelson a full year plus to right. really hit his stride as a hitter. It was kind of end of June to the end of this year. Bang. That's Spencer. But it took a while. And so anyway. I'm you just dangle a guy like Keith. J.D. Martinez be- and expect me to forget <laughs> about it now. <laughs> you can't do that. Like I said, not going to happen. I don't think. But... What if he's just sitting out there and he gives a call and says, "Hey guys, I really would love to come back for one year. Not going to cost you more than fifteen. And
2: then I'm gone I'll <laughs> out of your hair. Unless you really like me, and I'll come back another year." All right, we got one more segment on Tiger Talk. Ninety-seven on the ticket.
1: Tiger Talk. Here's Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson.
2: Oh, that's right, Tiger Talk. Pat not here today. He's back next week with Dan Dickerson. All right, Dan. So um, you made everybody uh, excited about JD Martinez.
3: <laughs> um, I wonder. Re- I, I had all those caveats that it's probably not going to happen. No, I know. But I just I know. it is. A, but a, you it, can't it, just float it's something a good like that. Thought experiment.
2: It, it is. really is. I mean, I don't see a downside. Name me the one downside. Yeah. But- to me, it'd be, That he falls be, off the ledge at age 36?
3: No, I really... I, I don't, don't think have, that happens No, either. not with his style and not with the production that we saw. I don't think he falls off completely. I, I just don't. I mean, would the numbers come down? Possibly, sure. He had a homer in every 13 at-bats. No, I don't think... This, the downside is you're not giving at-bats to the guys you need to give at-bats to. And that's, that's the flip side that you have to talk about. Scott Harris is in a position that few Tigers general managers have been in in the last 40 years. And that is you are legitimately, over the space of three years... Potentially going to add five, six bats. They can't all be middle-of-the-order bats, but legitimate middle-of-the-order bats. And I'm talking Green, Torkelson, Carpenter, and then Keith, Justin Henry Malloy. Don't know about him just because that power is still developing. Jayce Young, they love. Who knows about Justice Bigby? Let's say two of those three hit between Justin Henry Malloy, Colt Keith, Jayce Young. That's five bats you've developed in the space of three years? Pretty good. That, that, I would argue, hasn't happened in terms of guys that you drafted and developed since the 84 Tigers. So, of those three guys, which
2: one do we see this year the most of? Cole Keith? Yes. Cole Keith
3: makes it out of spring. Interesting. Jayce uh, Young? Midsummer. Okay. I mean, he has to basically, if he continues what he did at the end of last, I mean, he, he was hot. He he had a heck of a year. He did. No, I remember <laughs> just watching the clips on Twitter from the minor league games. I was talking to Alan Trammell about, I mean, he watched Cole Keith at second base. He said, in a year, the improvement's incredible. Jay Young is making himself perhaps into a third baseman. His brother Josh was not thought of highly at all. We've watched him enough. He's a solid third baseman now. Who can, oh yeah, by the way, hit? Yes. So I would say those two are, And I just don't know about Justin Henry Malloy. I don't know about a 280, 440, 440 guy. I mean, the walks are phenomenal. Walks and strikeouts tell a story. I just don't know. Him. They believe in him, so I'm. I would certainly include him in the group. But if you're going to rank him, that's how I would rank him. Couple ticket decks for you. R.J. Pettit is the name of that
2: Tigers oh, six foot eight, three hundred pound the reliever. Big fella. What do you know about him? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's. I haven't name. followed him since he got drafted. <laughs> the big fella. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, by the way, here's another one I thought well, I appreciate about this. That. I thought about this many times. The perfect nickname for Spencer Torkelson is Spenny T. Chad in Midland. I think there's probably a
3: better one out there, but Spenny actually, I think, is is his uh, nickname from when he was a kid. Is that right? Yeah, oh. I, I believe that's right. Oh. So uh, R.J. Pettit, Pettit, yes, P-E-T-I-T. We're not going to go with Petit, right? He's from South Carolina. Let's go with Pettit. I'm thinking it might be Pettit. Yeah, so, Richard
2: James Pettit, maybe.
3: So, high a double A this year, 57 innings. 350 ERA, I always go right to walks and strikeouts, walk rate 3 per 9, strikeout an inning over 57 innings, solid so far. But you'd have to, I'd have to, you know, find out what's the stuff like, what's the upside. Before you go, we were talking about this before the show. I I
2: think last year a lot of Tiger fans are like, this division is wide open. Wide open, and they were within shouting range, four games, five games, for the majority of the season, right? Until, obviously, September and late yeah. August hit, and Twins kind of rolled Tigers finished strong, yes. but, but the Twins also finished strong. I mean, the Twins just didn't lose, I feel, the last month and a half yeah. of baseball makes the postseason again. So, this, this belief that this is a winnable division. Yes. Give me a percentage. Like, am I to believe this? Do you believe?
3: or oh, No, no. To me, I look at it, the, the Twins. All right, I'll start here. I always look at it, run scored, runs allowed. Because that tells a story. Twins actually underperformed their runs scored, runs allowed. Pythagorean win-loss is simply what your win-loss record should have been based on. Run scored, runs allowed. They were a 93-win team. They won 87. So they underperformed. Tigers overperformed. By their runs scored, runs allowed, they were a 73-win team. So I start there. That's a 20-game gap between what their records should have been. Like when
2: water finds its level. Tigers should have been worse. The Twins should have been better.
3: Right. So it's kind of like, okay, that, that gives you maybe a better indicator than they were nine games behind the Twins. But it's like, okay, so what did each team do do to either get better to close that gap or to come back to the pack? Twins are doing nothing this offseason. And they lost Sonny Gray and Kent to Maeda to the Tigers. And those were two big arms. Maeda was really good down the stretch. Sonny Gray was outstanding. Those are two big losses. So they had a nice combination of run prevention and run scoring. So the offense should still be solid, but that's a blow. Now, the Tigers are clearly going for the run prevention side of the equation. I think that's a way to go. Run prevention is pitching and defense. Defense has to clean up at third base. Spencer Turkelson, I think, will be better at first. I don't, he just had a, he had a little slump there in August. I think he's better than that. But third base is, is a question mark. Jake Rogers behind the plate with Carson Kelly. Fantastic. Really nice combination there. You're pretty strong up the middle. Bias is solid at short. They want him to clean some things up, but he can still make plays that nobody else can make. Parker Meadows in center was whew, revelation. <laughs> I knew he was good, but man, to watch him so. to watch him was phenomenal. And that's exciting. So Tiger's clearly right now going for the run prevention side of the equation. But you've got to cut 730 runs allowed down to 660, 670 to me. Because I just don't think you can get that offense 740, 750 range. It's probably, if you improve by 50 runs, that's pretty good this year. And that's certainly doable. be better with J.D. Martinez. Um, but <laughs> You said it. <laughs> I, did. I was thinking it then. But, but, but think what Cleveland's done all those years under Terry Francona. They got 650, 670 runs, 640 runs. Never could hit, they exactly. Did, right. They did it with Pitching, run prevention. And exactly. And that's, I think, the direction the Tigers are trying to go with enough offense. You have to have enough offense.
2: Dan Dickerson, it was fun. Pat Caputo's back next week. It's Tiger Talk. Thanks, man. All
3: right. Good doing it with you, Jeff. That was fun.
2: It was, it was a blast. And thank you to thank, Jason Benetti. Yeah, thanks, I'm going to call him. Can I get his number? I'm going to call <laughs> him. forty five. Or 10. I'm going to get him on for one more second. He said He's one amazing. more break. He said it. He, uh, you offer, I take you up on your offer. <laughs> that's Dan Dickerson. We'll catch you next week. 97.1 The Ticket.